Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me tonight is one of my regular guest hosts, Zach King. Zach, welcome to the program. How are you doing this evening? Thanks for having me in. I'm doing pretty well, you know, got half a cup of coffee over here. Good, uh, good. It's been a good Sunday thus far. I'm, uh, I, I... I'm prepped for some good cop, bad cop tonight. Oh, I mean, really? I know, well, I mean, you're just gonna throw me under the bus and and be the good cop. I, or, Go ahead. Well, I mean, oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. It's sure. what I'm expecting. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> well, since Caleb and I didn't drive off everybody last week with the topic of slavery, we decided to lighten it up and give people what they want and talk about genocide. You try to finish them off. Finish tonight, them off. Huh? Okay, yeah. Here's the here's it. the finishing move: genocide in the Bible. So, Zach, how excited were you to talk about genocide in the Bible when I brought it up? So, last time I was on, we talked about how you sent out an email mm-hmm. to a lot of the regulars yeah. and said, hey, you know, here's, here's, the, here's the stuff I'm thinking about talking about on yeah. the podcast. What do you want to hear about? And, I mean, it was four minutes later. I was yeah. sitting in my office reading stuff, and so I saw the email, and it was like, it was the parables. Mm-hmm. And then a list of about 22 things mm-hmm. that I, I read through the list and no joke. Yeah. I went, oh, genocide's number two. <laughs> that was the softest, nicest yeah, like, one out of. So parables, I almost texted it to you. So I made sure I got that one. <laughs> Before someone else picked oh, it up. Right. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Patrick, this list. Yeah. And so I'm reading the list. I'm like, okay, yeah, genocide, I think, is the next easiest. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that gives everybody an idea of what's coming, you know, in, in the near future. But we, we are getting into some topics that, if nothing else, are controversial. And, and the reason we do that is simply most people haven't heard any information from the Bible about these topics. And people are curious. Let me tell you, we got beat up pretty bad on the slavery one. The comments we received were not good at all, which is fine. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll see how genocide goes. So yeah, I, I did not partake of the slavery podcast. It, it's yet, not up on so. Spotify yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just had a busy week, by the way, everyone, if you are watching us and you are watching us on Facebook live or YouTube live, go ahead and scan with your phone, the QR codes you see on the screen, it'll bring you to Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google play, and you can download these podcasts for free and listen to them whenever you like and share them around with all of your family and friends. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, you can always join us every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central on Facebook or YouTube. You just got to search for Bible Thumper Podcast and you'll find us there. Okay, so that's the that's the that's all the advertising we need to do. So let me ask you this. As, on, as far as genocide goes, did you have a <laughs> yeah. place you wanted to begin? If not, I, I always, you know, I'm happy to... You got direct the conversation. Yeah. You're, you're prepped. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some. Is there anything you want, any caveat you want to give or any disclaimer you want to throw out there? Or How many minutes do I have? <laughs> as much as you want. I have no. questions <clears throat> to start out and give them to you right out of the gate. Well, I, I got a question for you. Too, give it to right me. Out yeah, of the gate, go ahead. Which would be when this was a, when this was a topic you decided you want to talk about. Yeah. Is it simply because people ask about it it's a 
the reason it's a difficult subject mm-hmm. is because there are stories that you read and you go, wait a minute. Sure. What did God just do? Absolutely. And there needs to be a legitimate answer uh-huh. for what's what's really going on there. And so this is something that I've wrestled with. I was I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. been in the church forever, mm-hmm. 40 years old. I've mm-hmm. only been a member of two churches. Okay. I don't think I'm gullible, mm-hmm. but it has not been a problem for me ever that I, since I was a little kid for someone to say, look, this is the way God says that it works. Mm-hmm. And so I say, okay, who am I to fight back? Yeah. If that's what he says, then that's the way it goes. This one, I think, has some barbs to it where is does God not say one thing and show something a little bit different? What what is it you as I'm growing up, okay, how how do I put those two things together? So obviously there's a bunch of stories. Yeah. You could do the flood, Mm -hmm. you could do um Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, you could do Egypt. Mm Mm-hmm. You could do the conquest of the promised land. Mm-hmm. You could do Nineveh. Yep. You could, I mean. You could do after um, after they ended up. There's one in 1 Samuel um, where God commands Saul uh, to go to a certain nation. I think that had to do with Amalek. Okay. So yeah. that's another one we could get into. Uh, so there are several places in the Bible where we see God wipe out everybody. Okay, so <clears throat> the first thing then, and, and this is really us answering the first question, did genocide take place in the Bible? Absolutely. The, I mean, when the, I think I looked it up before, but I yeah. might, I might, um, this is really good podcasting right here. Wait. Wait. Yeah, you got, <laughs> the okay. deliberate ki- <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nothing like dead silence on a <laughs> sure, podcast. Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead, Zach. I, and this is just, you Google the word. Yeah, genocide. First thing that pops up. Uh-huh. The deliberate killing of a large number of people mm-hmm. for a particular from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. Yeah, you're trying to totally eradicate some segment of some society. Sure. Okay. And so if that's, so, if that's just the regular, like it, you say the word and that's the first thing that pops into somebody's head, even yeah. if you want to have a discussion about the definition, yeah, that's what people are hearing. Absolutely. And then you read the book and you go, hold on, wait a minute. That's what's happening. <laughs> that's what's going on. So we can agree that genocide happened several times in the Bible. The flood, uh-huh. Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. The conquest, I think you could... In Canaan land, and there are, that's not... That, that had some details where yes, it wasn't yes. everybody, and we're going to talk about that, yeah. and there are reasons for it. Yes. Okay, so <clears throat> the next question we have is, was that genocide ordained by God? Well, like the flood. Obviously. Sodom and Gomorrah. Obviously. Nobody else had any no. role. Yeah, and, and my point is simply, I don't want to write this off and say, oh, well, Joshua just decided to do it, or you know, king, whoever, 
after David and Solomon decided to do it. No, I want to make sure that we understand that, yes, genocide took place in the Bible, and also, yes, it was ordained by God. God commanded it to be done. That's the reason we're talking about it, because people struggle with that idea. Because in a post-Jesus death and resurrection world, looking back, yes, well, A, I don't think that we live under the similar command to that right now, right? Well, I mean, like, God okay, has, Zach, yeah, Palisade has never given you, yeah, <laughs> right. sure. Those guys need, yeah, that. So we 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 have a different. So looking back through all of the things that Jesus did, and that's the real tension for me. Like I said, if God says that it goes, yeah, it doesn't matter if I understand it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if I agree with it. If He's God and I'm not then what he says goes and there's nothing that I can do to I mean I, I you want to stand up and debate him sure like what you, you want to object you can sure if you'd like to but but he's God and I'm not okay so can I jump on that yes first yeah just to let's, start let's out because I mean let's just get this out of the way okay so Num- and this is point number one that I wrote down on my notes. And for those of you at home, you should know that Zach and I don't discuss this beforehand. Caleb and I don't discuss anything we talk about. We do that on purpose because we want to have a real conversation. We're right. not, okay. Right, right. So, so number one, genocide in the Bible is okay because God is sovereign. That's number one. That's my first point that I came up with. And let me give you two verses about it. And we can talk about these verses. So number one is Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So the idea is that even the bad things in the world work together for God's overall plan. And God's plan is good. Yes. Okay, the second verse, and then I'll ask for comment on both, is Isaiah chapter 45. And we're from, this, this verse is familiar to a lot of people. But I'm not just going to read verse 9. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 7, 8, and 9. God said, I form the light and create the darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, ye heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring salvation forth. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What makest thou? Or thy work? He hath no hands. So the idea is God is the creator and he has the plan. We don't get to disagree with his plan because we don't understand it. And we don't get to disagree with his plan because we don't like it. Take it away, Zach. Right. And so the first thing I was thinking about with that that first verse out of row. It was uh, Romans, um, the Passover mm-hmm. story. Yeah, Egypt. So I've been reading that with the kids. It's okay, been a lot of fun. Um, the whole situation with Pharaoh and God hardening his heart mm-hmm. and him hardening his own heart. And yeah. how many times is this going to go on? And he gets to the end of that the series of plagues, and Pharaoh's counselors come to him Mm -hmm. and they say, dude, it is over. 
we have lost this. Yeah. <laughs> like Israel's God has beaten our gods. Yeah. He's beaten us up. Yep. We've got nothing left here. We can't undo these curses. We can't mimic them. This is over our head. You have to, you have to give up. Mm-hmm. A th- there's either one or two more, um, one or two more plagues after that. I can't remember which. I believe you. And then mm-hmm. they leave and Pharaoh still chases him. Yeah. Right. And over and over and over again, from the very beginning at the burning bush, Mm -hmm. God tells Moses, I am doing this so that they will understand that I am God. Yep. That all the other things that they worship are Mm -hmm. not. And this is the way that this is the way I'm doing it so that they get that idea. So they get the point. Now, do you now I know you know this, but for for those uh, for our listeners at home, we find out later that when Joshua enters into Canaan land, the Bible says that the people that they were going in to kick out of the out of Canaan land, it said that their heart melted like wax because they heard the stories of what Israel did to Egypt. And what people don't understand is that would be equivalent to Haiti killing off the entire American military complex. Sure. And at least from 40 years in the past. Yeah. Right? Like that would be my dad yeah. telling Owen, who's yep. now 10, my dad's in the 70s, telling Owen when he's 10, hey, yeah. when I was a kid, yep. their God, yeah. you don't even want to know what was going on. Yeah. If they come over here. Yeah, just run. <laughs> Because right. literally, it doesn't matter how many of them show up. It doesn't matter how poor they are. It doesn't matter that they're in rags and they're skinny because they're starving. They are going to annihilate you. So then you tie that back into the story. Because mm-hmm. I do think the, over, the, the the basic story of the Bible, front to back, mm-hmm. like if, if, you could, if you could say it in a few sentences, mm-hmm. part of that story is God needs to take... Those people, Israel, yeah, and they need to be in that land. Correct. That was the overall plan. Yes, that that is part of God's overall. And then we could we could rewind to Genesis six if mm-hmm. you want to do some of that. And but one of the reasons that both Egypt and Canaan mm-hmm. that one of the reasons that that was so devastating to the Egyptians and the Canaanites is because they were actively fighting against God's plan yes. in order for him to execute what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. which was those people need to be in that land. Yes. So in Exodus 12, the Egyptians had to go through this situation because that was one of the ingredients, so to speak, uh, required to have God get his people into Canaan land, you know, roughly 50 years later. And people don't seem to understand that. Now, at the time, we could look back and we can say, well, weren't, you know, those poor Egyptians, like they didn't deserve all of that. And and that's part of what we're going to, you know, go yeah, through. Yeah. But what we're talking about is that God has a plan and his plan is vast. People don't understand that it his plan was complete when he created all of us in the original six-day creation. He even talks about and gives a prophecy about how Jesus is going to 
you know, be on the cross and Satan is going to think that he's killing them. And I mean, God had the whole thing written out ahead of time. He knew what was going to happen. And we are picking apart this move or that move or this period of time. And we don't like this or we don't like that. And really what it comes down to is, are we the arbiter of morality or is God? Because the question I have for everybody is, do you disagree with this concept and these verses being a satisfactory answer for explaining genocide in the Bible? Why is the answer, God did it, had a, he, and he had a reason to do it, to complete his plan? Why isn't that enough? Sure. sure. And, and really, that's why so many people struggle with so many things in the Bible, is because they don't believe that God has a plan, and what you're going through is part of that plan, and there's a reason for it, and every part of God's plan isn't, you know fairy tales and gumdrops that's what heaven is but we're not in heaven yet yeah yeah there's a plan to put it all back together oh yeah and it's going to be wonderful yeah. when god's running the whole thing and <laughs> yeah. sin doesn't exist and the devil is gone the, and the curse you know is reversed yeah and, and 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 the world and our flesh and all these things are not a problem anymore but that's not where we're at no people seem to always have an issue and take issue with the idea that life is not like heaven it's like well no one ever said it was going to be no. it there's a, a way you can be there but um, we are not promised heaven in this life. And that's why the New Testament is so clear about understanding that our salvation, the next thing it leads to is hope. Yeah. And it's not hope that, yeah, that, this life that is we going figure to be the whole thing out yeah. before we and die. It's going to be and perfect. Then, yeah. Right. That the hope is, mm-hmm. no, everything's a mess. Yes. And we have the whole story about how it's a mess, mm-hmm. but we know who's going to fix it. Correct. And he's going to do it. Mm hmm. We haven't seen it yet. Yep. We hope for it. Yeah. And we're waiting. So I, your second verse there out of Isaiah, at, uh, I've got one that I took, I wouldn't say I took any heat for it necessarily. Yeah. But in Romans mm-hmm. chapter 11, been, I'm almost done, 18 months. <laughs> um, Romans chapter 11, 22 says, note then the kindness and the severity of God. Mm-hmm severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a sense in which Jesus, God, there's a double-edged sword where that, the heaven, the, the gumdrops and the rainbows and the yeah. butterflies, whatever yeah. else, it is there for us. Mm-hmm. But the story is very, very consistent that we have the capacity to choose against that. Oh, yeah. And that there are consequences for it. Yeah. And it, it plays out over and over and over and over. So let me bring up another idea just to kind of talk about it for a second and put it to bed uh, that you mentioned before. And that's the idea that genocide almost seems to conflict with the ideas that we get from, say, the New Testament and Jesus' teaching. And I always bring it up this way, okay? People, unfortunately, are constantly drawing a line between Malachi and Matthew 
and they're saying that, you know, Jesus's teachings is this. And then we read about, you know, God, the father of the old Testament teaching this. And I'm like, sure. I always ask everyone the same thing. Are you polytheistic? Are you polytheist? Do you believe in many gods? Do you believe in multiple gods as a Christian? Because the way you're talking, you do. There is no line between the two. The same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit don't argue about stuff. They don't debate how things should be. Visible representation of the invisible God. Yep. People struggle with that, and I say you got to get over this. You got to understand that there are multiple parts of the same God. And yes. I, I've heard someone use the analogy of a teepee. There are multiple poles that all lean up together to form the teepee. Well, we only enjoy certain poles. We enjoy the long-suffering pole and the forgiveness pole and the grace pole. And why wouldn't we? Yeah, we, man, we love all <laughs> sure. those. We really don't feel as comfortable with the righteous judgment pole and the, you know, our God is a consuming fire pole. We really don't like those as much. And, and I think that's part of the reason that you're not going to have the Old Testament taught as often in a lot of places as you do the new, because let's face it, you know, we want people coming back and people, <laughs> people like happy stories, or, sure, you know. Sure, sure, that, sure. That the popular level, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the main tension. Right, you kind of laid that out. There seems to be two different pieces of what's going on, and I kind of like this piece better. Yeah, I, I do think, and this is where my attention lies. I mm-hmm. think there's a deeper level where I start thinking to myself, "Yeah, but wouldn't God prefer the long suffering?" Mm-hmm. Right, and so to say to someone like. Um, to someone like Pharaoh, mm-hmm. look, I'll give you another chance mm-hmm. and I'll give you another one and another one and another one and another one. And you go, well, yeah, well, he had the 10 plagues. Like, I know. Mm-hmm. And we'll I'll give him another one and another one. Like, but then he chased him down. I know. Like, I know that I want him to give another one. Yeah. Right. Because I, I always like until it's over, mm-hmm. it's not quite over yet. And so give him another chance. But on the other side of the coin, um, it's not like he hasn't given any chances. <laughs> oh yeah, right. And so I wonder. And this, I, I don't, I don't know that I have a strong conclusion on some of this, but I do wonder if there's a component of his righteousness that simply, at some point, says, "Look, um, it doesn't matter how many chances." I give this guy. Yes. I, it doesn't matter how many chances I give this city. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how many warnings. Mm-hmm. I've been given warnings for 700 years. Yeah. Like, he does the same thing to Israel. Yep. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to matter how many times I do this. Yeah. They're not going to accept me. Correct. They are following a different God. Mm-hmm. They are ignoring me. They're doing something else. And so it's time. Mm-hmm. And that's what he decides. Okay. So you um, gave a great segue into a few more verses I'd like to bring up and talk about. And we need to go to Genesis chapter 15. 
And in Genesis chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 13, 14, 15, and 16. These will be familiar to anybody that loves the book of Genesis. If it's not my favorite book, it's one of them. In Genesis 15, this is God talking to Abraham. And when we go over this, when I'm reading through this, my question for you, Zach, and for those of you that are listening at home, is while God is explaining this to Abraham, my question for you is, what is Abraham doing? Okay, so in Genesis 15, starting in verse 13, and he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. So we know obviously we're talking about Egypt. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. So the they is your descendants, Abram. Okay, so he's talking about the nation of Israel. So they shall come hither. So we know where Abram is standing at this point. He is standing in Canaan land. Okay, yes. that's not, yes. that we, we know that from reading the chapter. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna read verse 16 again. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Okay, so let me just go over this for those folks that might not know what's going on here. In this passage, God is explaining to Abraham the covenant that he is making with him. So he talks about this covenant in chapter 12. Mm -hmm. He talks about it again with more detail in chapter 15. I think he goes over it again in chapter 18. So God is going over the covenant he's making with uh, Abraham, and he's explaining several points. God says that Israel, one, will be a stranger in a strange land. We know that's Egypt. They will be slaves for 400 years, and we see that play out in the book of Exodus. God will judge that nation, being Egypt, Mm -hmm. and Israel will leave with great substance, and that all happens from Exodus 1 through Exodus 12 or 13 or 14, something in there. Okay, so 12 we know is the Passover chapter, so in the next chapter or two, they're they're out of Egypt. I think they crossed the sea in 14. Okay. I can't remember for sure. So then the last part is that uh, the fourth generation will come here, meaning Caning land. Okay. And it says that it will take that long because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So that's what I want to land on and talk about for a second. Yes. The Amorites were not to be kicked out of their land because the Amorites possessed Canaan land along with other tribes. Well, other tribes, yeah, Yeah. but they were, yeah. They possessed Canaan land. They were not to be kicked out of their land until they had accumulated enough wickedness. Until their wickedness crossed a threshold, God considered it to be unjust when removing them from the land. Your thoughts? You Well, so first of all, in uh, verse 1 of mm-hmm. that chapter, yeah. um, the Lord comes to Abram and he in a vision, mm-hmm. right? And so you could talk about however that goes down. Uh, in verse 12, mm-hmm. then the, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. Yep. So he's passed out. That's right. During this covenant, when God makes a covenant with Abram, Abram is sleeping the whole time. And that is significant because the covenant God is making is unconditional. Abram doesn't have a part. Him and his family don't have a part. They are God's chosen people, and that's their land, and they are going there. But it's Mm going to take some time. Yes, it will. Because these guys haven't reached 
this threshold that God has put in place. When you read the Sodom and Gomorrah story, yeah, I don't know if I have the the exact verse here, but when the angels visit Abram, yeah, one of the th- yeah I don't have it marked, um, but one of the things they say is that the cries of the city have come up to the Lord, yep, and they have been sent to to look and see, yep, if what we've been hearing is true, yep then it's over. Yeah. They've crossed this point that yeah. there's, there's a threshold there somewhere. Okay. So, so when we look and yeah. if we see it, then. Yep. Okay. So let me ask you this because this brings up an interesting point, a theological idea that I don't think a lot of people understand. When Cain killed Abel, who told God that it happened? When Cain killed Abel, Mm -hmm. who told God that it happened? Yep. Go back to Genesis. Let's look this up, man. This one's worth it. Because this goes right along with your Sodom and Gomorrah story. Okay, so let's see. Chapter 3, chapter 4. Here we go. The Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? He said, I do not know him. I'm my brother's keeper. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Yep. Okay, so in the same way, when we're talking about um, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah reaching the years of God, it seems like the victims of that sin, their voice gets to God. Now, I'm not sure if that's how it works with Sodom and Gomorrah, but I know for a fact that's how it worked with Cain and Abel. Because I think in the Sodom and Gomorrah story, and if if I got a second, I'm going to to track that down. Yeah, so we were just talking about, go ahead and look for it. We were just talking about Genesis chapter 4, the Cain and Abel story, and that comes down, that comes to a head in verses 9 and 10. Uh, after Cain kills Abel. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, which was a lie. Am I my brother's keeper? Question mark. And he said, this is God speaking to Cain, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So the idea is that this sin and the victim of the sin their blood cries on to God, and God hears about it. And with Sodom and Gomorrah, and with the, uh, I want to pronounce this correctly, let's see, the Amorites. The Amorites. Well, you got to be careful, because there are the Amorites, A-M, and there was the, uh, or A-M-O-R, and there was the Ammonites, A-M-M-O-N. So you, you don't want to mix up those people. They're sure. both all dead. There's, <laughs> so There are no Amorites that are going to call and complain in a YouTube comment. Oh, yeah. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Genesis 18, mm-hmm. 20 and 21, when, um, when the, the three visitors yeah. right, are, are with uh, Abram, then the Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Mm. And so he's, same sort of idea then. Mm-hmm. The outcry has reached him. Yeah. Whether it's victims' prayers, mm-hmm. uh, whether those victims are alive or dead, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's going to go down and check. Yeah. Because he's saying, look, now, you, why does he need to go down and check? Um, so that Abram sees him. Mm-hmm. That's why. But so, like, what is it that he's checking for? Mm-hmm. 
and it's to see if what he's hearing from the outcries is true truly matches what's actually going on yeah and then of course you go through the whole story yeah and by the time you, uh, they spend four minutes yeah and they go yeah yep this you're is, done this is over. smoke and ashes <laughs> this is over Okay, so then Genesis six. I would just say, quickly. yeah, jump in, so jump same, in. Go ahead. Same type of idea, um, and this is, I, I had this because I wanted to use the Amorites mm-hmm. that 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 verse as well. He knows the time element. Yeah, he knows how long it's going to take. Yeah. But I, I do think there is a piece of it that that is, if they had left Egypt two hundred years earlier. Mm-hmm. The plan would have needed to be altered. Absolutely, because they they hadn't met that threshold yet. Yes, there is a, and and we can't see that threshold. We don't know. And and in the New Testament, we read about that the Lord Jesus is not going to be coming back until uh, the time of the Gentiles has been there, fulfilled. There's certain thresholds. You got that it. Met. There's another one the that we're waiting know. for. Yep. So in chapter uh, six of Genesis. Starting in verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great mm-hmm. in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Yep. Uh, that's a pretty high bar. Oh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. imagine what must have been. But but there is a, a pretty consistent... I, the same thing goes for Israel mm-hmm. when they are exiled. Yep. He gave them... The rules. Correct. And he said, look, if you do what I say, this will happen. Yes. If you don't, this will happen. Yep. You pick. And and let me go over something. When when we're talking about that, the exile of Israel, there were two different groups. We have the northern kingdom and we have the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom left early. Yes. And the southern kingdom left later. And the reason for it is the northern kingdom didn't have one single king that God had anything good to say about. They were the whole- more wicked yep. after the split. Yep. And yeah, Judah held on a little bit. Correct. Tribing again. Because they had a longer. couple of good kings. Yep. And one of them came up, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, with King Josiah. Yeah. And at the end of it, King Josiah turned to God and repented and had the whole nation of Israel repent with such fervor that God said, I was going to take you away, but I am going to wait. Yes. You, it, it, we are not going to take away the nation of Israel from you because you turned to God with your whole heart. It, it was an amazing story. So we, so let me let me bring this up to to add to your point here. Okay, so this is my point number two. Genesis, or I'm sorry, genocide in the Bible is okay because it was a form of God's judgment, and we know that God's judgment is always righteous and just and good, and we see how God even said that I am not judging the Amorites today. Yes. But I know there is coming a day when they will cross that threshold and my judgment has to come down because if not, I will not be a righteous judge. Yep. Okay, so concerning God's judgment, first, they deserved to die for their sin. Don't we all? Yeah, <laughs> it's an uncomfortable idea, but that is the fact. Any casual study of their religion, literature, and archaeological remains reveal that they were the most morally depraved culture on the earth 
at the time. They were idolaters, which is, that's bad enough. That's all you need. Okay, but, but then also consider the extreme evil things that they were involved in. Witchcraft, sorcery, consulting with demons, child sacrifice, and every kind of sexual immorality available. So that is who the Amorites were. Yes. That, that was just that. That was the culture. Yeah, they were absolutely, they were worse than anything we could ever imagine. There is not a culture on earth today that publicly is known for this kind of evil. The, uh, I can't remember if it was the Amorites. I can't say for sure because I don't remember exactly what, That's okay. what tribe of people. Yeah. But I've heard stories where um, in order to in order to bless a new home, mm-hmm. you have the four corners mm-hmm. of the house. And it, it was, um, you know, you, you dig a hole and you put the, the cornerstones or the corner posts. Okay, sure. And in order to bless the house, you would mm-hmm. need four children to sacrifice. Get out of here. To, the, to God so that the... So the house won't well, fall, fall down in and collapse, and or, yeah. Um, I mean, we've got stories all over. We um, heard stories of Aztec mm-hmm. nations, and the. It's hard to imagine, really fully outright, mm-hmm. in the Sodom and Gomorrah story. Yeah, the men are at the house mm-hmm. knocking on the door mm-hmm. to get in there. Um, old and young. Old and young, like this is what they were taught to yeah. do. This was normal. This wasn't something that was weird or original. This is their every day. This is what we do in this town. Stricken with blindness mm-hmm. and even blind, mm-hmm. not able to see yeah. supernaturally. They are still knocking at the door to try to get inside mm-hmm. to bring the visitors out. Oh, yeah. Blind. Yeah. Because they they thought that it was their right to sexually assault these vis- visitors of the town, who of course are angels. Yeah, <laughs> and you go. Yeah, good luck. Um. So it is uncomfortable, and like I said, I I do have, I do have tension, simply because I don't want. What's the best way to put this? I think the the power of the gospel Mm -hmm. trumps everything. Mm -hmm. So even if you you take the the giant king from Moab, Mm -hmm. and he's just despicable in every single way for his entire life for 80 years. Yeah. Like I want the I want the one more chance mm-hmm. at the gospel because it's more powerful than all of it. Yeah, it can all be forgiven. Those stories just don't lay out. Yeah, that way, and so I do have tension in being in the in the place of the story that we are at now. That's like one more chance. Yeah, one more chance. Maybe you're in jail. Yeah, and one more chance so that because then you have the tension of. Well, how many chances do you give somebody who's systematically mm-hmm. raping children? Sure. Like you, like well, but God loves him, so let's just. Well, 
granted, no one's no one's saying that anyone should be denied the gospel or the opportunity Absolutely to seek not. forgiveness with God. But at the same time, that doesn't change the fact that I am not the judge. And yes. and Zach, I yes. can can I just be totally honest with you? There are countries in the world where if you were born in country A, let's face it, you're going to have a much greater opportunity to hear the gospel many times than if you were born in country B. Okay. And people don't like to, people want to think that everything is just and fair, but why would any of us believe that? In the world, nothing is just and fair. The only thing we find is that God wants us all saved and make sure that we all have a chance. Those are the only things that are promised. But I hate to tell you, growing up in America versus growing up in Saudi Arabia or Iran, I guarantee that I am going to have more chances to hear the gospel because we leave Bibles in bedstands at hotels and Bibles are not allowed on Saudi Arabian soil. So, you know, but guess what? That's not God being unfair. That's the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And does that do their actions affect people in their country? Well, obviously they do. Sure, it, but that sure. doesn't, to me, mean that God is unjust or his judgments are unjust because God says that even though that is the case, I am going to guarantee that every citizen, I guess, or subject of Saudi Arabia, when they die and they stand before me, if they are lost, none of them will argue with me and say they didn't have a chance to get saved because they will all know that they did. And obviously all the ones that did get saved, they won't be at the great white throne of judgment. They'll be in heaven with me. They have, God is capable of things that we can't even think or imagine, Mm -hmm. right? And so one of my favorite things you said there, it is, um, he is the judge. Yeah. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I don't think I want to be. I know some people who would like to be, I think, but I... I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. He is. And he's the fact of the matter is that because of because of sin, he's created a way for us to not have to deal with that. The miracle is the miracle sometimes I think of it as almost the opposite way way around, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had to say, look, I'm not gonna destroy everybody again. Yeah. Um the miracle is that we've got a chance to get out of the punishment that we owe. At all. At all. Yep. So that is the whole idea of grace is that I am not given what I deserve. Right. I'm actually given something that I don't deserve. Okay, let me, uh, let me move along with one more point to wrap up this idea that genocide in the Bible is okay because it's a form of God's judgment. Going with the groups... And, and I should say this now, we'll get into it more later. Not every single group God required to kill all of them. Correct. And we're going to get to that in a minute, but let me just, let me just say that, you know, concerning, uh, these groups, they persisted in their hatred of God. Okay. Had they repented, God would have spared them just as he spared the people of Nineveh 
who repented at the preaching of Jonah. Yes. And something I also want to bring up, since we're talking about genocide and two of the stories we brought up earlier, you mentioned Noah and then Sodom and Gomorrah, both of which were supernatural genocide as opposed to a standing army like we read about with Joshua later on. Mm-hmm. In the, in the book of Genesis, we read, well, actually, we read about it later. Noah was called a preacher of righteousness. They had a preacher there. He yes. was giving them the good news. He was telling them to repent. They weren't listening, but Noah was doing that. Then we find out about Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, let's face it. It's easy to beat up on Lot, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. as far as sure. not being father of the year, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, he was a train wreck. <laughs> But are you, okay, and we're not going to get into that. And people can look back on the Bible yeah, and read, read the, the stories story. their own. But let's face it: even so, what does Peter call Lot? He says, "Just Lot." He calls Lot just. We know that Lot was saved, and he's in heaven. And we know that Lot, although he didn't do a very good job, again. But here, and and we're gonna. I'm going to get into the specifics of why. Noah did not see a whole lot of people saved other than his wife and his three sons and their three wives. That was all that made it on the boat, even though it was only Lot and his two daughters and his wife that made it out of the city. Okay, we know that Lot still, he had to teach somebody about the righteousness of God. Only three decided to get on board with it and follow Lot in obeying God to flee the city. But we know that Lot made efforts to give the gospel in that town. The problem was it was so wicked, it was so depraved, their hearts were so hard that they had completely rejected God Mm -hmm. and they did not want to turn even though there was a preacher or a prophet who was there. So... God waited 400 plus years to give the promised land to the descendants of Abraham because the sins of the Amorites weren't great enough in Abraham's time. By the time of Joshua, repentance seemed to be completely out of the question for these people, and it was time for God's people to come into the land, and therefore God said, sorry, it's too late, my judgment is here. And keep in mind, people for some reason, people don't seem to be willing to apply the same logic that we do to our lives. We understand as Christians that we only get until we die. If you didn't choose Jesus by the time you die, guess what? That's it. There's no more chances. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we only get up until the Lord comes back the second at the second coming. It that we don't get an infinite number of chances. Yeah, there is you got there is a threshold and once we reach that threshold, sorry, that's over. Some people live to be 100, some people live to be 20. Okay, so we always say choose Jesus now. Don't procrastinate. Don't put that off. But all of us only get so many chances. Well, guess what? So do the Amorites. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then you can think about um, like Jericho, mm-hmm. you get the Jericho story. Oh, yeah. And you get Rahab. Uh-huh. Uh, even though it's only one story, mm-hmm. we don't have others where we get um, where we get the same type of idea. Mm-hmm. But even in like Jericho is completely wiped out. It is. Let me give you the let me give you the verses here. Okay. In Joshua six twenty one, we read, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, 
and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. So when except Rahab and her family, except Rahab and her family. So don't tell me that God would not accept repentance and obedience because He does. Yes, He does, and I think that is really, really, really a key point. Mm-hmm. He's the judge. Yep. He decides what the threshold is. He goes to see. He makes the determination. And then even at that point, if there are individual people who say, hold on, wait a minute, I'm going to side with the God of Israel here. Mm-hmm. I've been wrong my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something different is happening here that's new. And, and that's, that's the team I want to play for. Yep. They are always welcome. They are accepted. Yep. The entire Old Testament, there are provisions. It says if you have a slave and they want to come to Judaism, if you have an enemy country and they want to come to Judaism, if an enemy country that we're not supposed to make a covenant to, but you accidentally make one because they show up with ragged clothes and they (laughs) lie to you, you know, there, there is a provision, okay, for people that come to God, even in the Old Testament, Gentiles who recognize who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are, and they want to leave behind their idols and come and worship him, there is a provision for it. Repentance Mm -hmm. in faith. Yep. God says... It's it's the same story. It's up to you, man. Yeah. Anyone can do it. I think the problem that a lot of people have, and we're going to get to this in a minute, is um, the idea that, well, what about the children? Mm-hmm. right what about oh, the youngins man. what about okay because they we're gonna get to that no, no no hold on hold on we'll get there so don't let, let me let me move on to the next part and then we'll get to the idea okay with with the kids so so number three genocide in the bible is okay because god was protecting that which was good okay so here's the idea and i want to hear your thoughts in a moment you pull the weeds in your garden You pull the weeds in your garden. You pull the weeds in your garden, not because you hate the weeds. You pull the weeds in your cart, in your garden, because you wish to protect the vegetables and the flowers that you love. Sure. Okay. So a weed is going to choke out and kill a flower, right? That's its job. Okay. Or it'll break your concrete because it grows in the middle of the, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Zach, can you reform a weed? Like just change it into a into something that's breathe, not going to kill the flowers. Into it and then no, I cannot okay. do that. Can you reason with a weed? <laughs> Definitely not. No, it is going to kill your flowers. So what do we do? So you pull them out. You pull the weeds. Okay, the Canaanites constituted a moral cancer. The idea is that even one of them even a child left alive, it would have introduced and infected Israel with idolatry and immorality. Children turn into men, and even children can be determined to choose evil over good. So in the Canaanite culture, filled with incest and idolatry and witchcraft, it appears everybody was corrupted. So the idea is leaving any infected with this moral cancer meant the cancer would spread rapidly among the Israelites and bring about the destruction of God's own people. Therefore, you pull the weeds. That's a tough, tough, tough pill to swallow. Because even in the New Testament, and this is, this is the, like I said, the, 
here's the good cop part. This mm-hmm. is the give it to me. That I, well, so so the wheat and the and the tares, uh-huh. right? The the farmer goes out. He plants the wheat. As the wheat begins to grow, he finds out that there's weeds in it. Mm-hmm. And he said, and the and the workers come to him and they say, hey, what are we gonna do? And he says, not you gotta leave it in there because mm-hmm. it's it's grown to a point now that if you pull it out, yeah you're going to pull out all the wheat too. Mm-hmm. So now you just got to let it grow together. And then at the end, we'll, we'll, we'll harvest all of it and we'll separate it. The wheat and the weeds. Mm-hmm. And so you start playing with those two ideas. Cause I hear you. You start playing with those two ideas and you go like, well, maybe, maybe God did it that way because the wheat wasn't yet planted in the land. Absolutely. And so you clear the land first. You got it. And if it had if it had been left there together, mm-hmm. which it kind of was. Oh yeah, and we're gonna get to that. <laughs> and and then and then they all grow together. Now you're at a spot where you go, well, you can't you can't weed it anymore because yeah. now if you pull everything out, you're gonna kill all of it. Yep. Which was part of the point to begin with. Mm-hmm. So the kids thing is always tough, right? The kids thing is tough. Um. But in the and we can we can circle back. I, I don't know where exactly all you want to go. I, I'll, I, I'll hit the kids thing again because I got some more verses about that. Because I think that is one of the issues that people struggle with. If it wasn't for the kids, then maybe we could wrap our heads around it and be okay. And and let's face it, Zach, doesn't it seem a little absurd? Uh, and the ox and the sheep and the ass. Sure. Like, like what are the, what are, what, why do you need to get, what are we talking the, about? <laughs> right. I, it, there are, and that's all part of the, the promised land conquest. Mm-hmm. And so we can talk about there, there are different provisions for different places. Yes. Like these and, guys, you drive out and, and I'm going to get to that yeah, in a minute, yeah. but let me, while we're talking about the kids, let's just get another verse on here. Okay. So this is the idea with the kids. So children bear the burdens of their parents. Do you agree? Children bear the burdens of their parents. Like, uh, okay, so this is poverty, poverty, alcoholism. Okay, the idea that the sins of the father are going to affect the son. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the son cannot get out of it. It doesn't mean that the son cannot overcome it. It doesn't mean that the son can't get saved or even the father for that matter. Of course. But can we agree that the decisions of the parents, the shortcomings of the parents, the sins of the parents are going to affect their family? Sure. And it's not even going to be for one generation. It might be for many. Well, yeah, because... If if that son has children, mm-hmm. then you, you start getting the same thing sort of trickling through. Sure. You got it. And we see this in life all the time. And the Bible talks about it. And I want to read a verse about it. <laughs> in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Then uh, Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now, the good news about this verse is the same, is the idea that God will bring blessings upon the children of the parents that obey them because the parents that obey God are going to be teaching the Bible 
diligently onto their children because that's one of the commands. So guess what? The children's reap the the reward of mom and dad loving and obeying God. And in the same way, the parents that hate God and don't obey any of God's commands, well, guess what? The children are going to learn from those parents and they're going to repeat the process. And again, people don't like this, but nobody can argue with it. We see this all over the world all the time. Conan Unf- the Barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, the, what is it? Uh, who, who is the, the bad guy? Who's the... In Conan the, the, the Barbarian? Yeah, the Snake King. Man, I can't remember. Is that James Earl Jones? I don't know. If you wanted to talk about He-Man and Skeletor, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, but He-Man that was the Skeletor. animated series. You know, uh, as far as Conan. Now, are you talking the series or are you talking so the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger? The movie with Arnold, yeah. So he comes oh, and wipes, so out, wipes out the whole mm-hmm. village. Okay. But our little child Arnold yeah. is the only... They little take Conan. Him, yeah, take him as a slave. Mm-hmm. But then he grows into Arnold. Sure. And becomes yeah. Samson and ready to kill all the Philistines. And, and so then he so then he faces off with the guy that killed his dad. And mm-hmm. um something about what they were doing, mm-hmm. the the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. All of those ideas. And and one other that we haven't though we've danced around a little bit but haven't got quite to yet mm-hmm. is that I think there is some sort of um, bloodline. Many of the places where Israel is told to destroy everything, absolutely everything. Yeah, they have giants there. Oh, absolutely, and that's so. There's some sort. There's some sort of bloodline situation there that, that apparently is even leaked into the. The animals are involved involved in this yeah, some way or another. I, I don't know how that works, and I'm not going to try to Neither guess that I. one. But, okay, so let's go back to Genesis 6, and let's talk about this issue. Because far too many people in Christianity do not understand all the implications of Genesis 6 and what it's talking about. Okay, so let me just go over this very briefly. In Genesis chapter 6, let's start in verse 1. We'll read verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, and then you can all call me crazy, and I'll direct you to a video on my Facebook page, and you can watch the whole thing. Okay. (laughs) And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same becometh mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So the very short explanation here is that leading up to the flood in the days of Noah, what you have is one-third of all the angels in creation were kicked out of heaven. talks about that in Revelation chapter somewhere between 2021 and 22 about how a third of the angels were turned by Satan to fight against God and his angels. And what happened is they lost and they were kicked out of heaven and these are referred to as the fallen angels. Now, some of the fallen angels, not all of them, some of them at the time of the flood in the days of Noah, what they were doing 
is they were able to relinquish some form and ability and take on the ability to procreate with human women. Now, if this is all news to you, that's fine. Okay, I'll be happy to point you to a video that'll help explain this later on. But this happened, and this is the reason that the flood in the days of Noah took place. Because, and it talks about the reason that God chose Noah. It said in verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. You see, Noah was perfect in his generations. What it's talking about is that Noah, his family tree, was not corrupted by this fallen angel, human um, perversion that produced half-human, half-fallen angel hybrids called the Nephilim. So the Nephilim are these giants that we read about in Scripture. And although, yes, they were very, very large, large, there were other characteristics that we find. And the Bible talks about this in several places. And spoiler alert, they're coming again. These are going to appear again in the last days. And Daniel talks about it when he talks about the 70th, the 70 weeks of Daniel. They are going to show up leading up to the second coming of Christ. Now, not everyone believes that, and that's fine, but I can show you where it says it in the Bible. So what you have to understand is the whole world was corrupted by these creatures. And what happened, which was forced at first, which was that women were literally taken and raped and had these half-fallen angel, half-human hybrids, the Nephilim, which were also the giants, we found that they had power, ability, intelligence, stature, strength that were so far superior to humans that very quickly the women were very happy to get on board and have their children take part in this unholy union. It literally spread throughout the world, and that's why God wiped out the entire world. That's why the flood was not a local event. God said the whole world was corrupt. It was this that was the corruption, and God had to wipe out everybody. Any comment or correction so far? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty... There's... Every sentence there mm-hmm. opens up a rabbit hole yeah, yeah. that you can chase, <laughs> right? Every yeah. single one of those sentences. Sure. But the more and more I look through it, and mm-hmm. the more and more I study this, I, I really, I've been spending a lot of time studying a guy named uh, Michael Heiser. Okay. And he uh, he proposes a, b- a bunch of different things, but uh, he's got a book called The Unseen Realm, mm-hmm. uh, along with several others, um, that I, I just, I think he makes pretty airtight case mm-hmm. about what the sons of God in Genesis 6 means. Uh-huh. And there are... God created two different types of... Uh, do you... Go ahead. Could we call them Give it a shot. sons of God? Could, there are heavenly beings. Yes. There, there are two different realities Yeah. that the Bible teaches are both real mm-hmm. and both true mm-hmm. and both um, 
they have equal um, what validity. I don't. Go but ahead, keep they going. don't like. They don't really cross over very much. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. There's a supernatural component, and there's a there's what we see. Mm-hmm. There's there's God created the heavens mm-hmm. and the earth. Sure, like multiple heavens. What's yeah? What there is, are multiple dimensions. There's multiple dimensions okay. of what's <clears throat> happening. Angels, so, demons, they are involved in ours, but we can't see what's going on in theirs. Right. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, God opens this screen for like Ezekiel one. Yeah. And you open the screen, and you can kind of see what's going on in this other place for a minute. Revelation. Yeah. yeah. And there's the time with Elijah when he was surrounded, and you know the yeah. the he sees, chariots of yeah, fire and the angels running and, okay. across yep. the top of the trees. Yeah. And everybody's like, huh? Yeah. What? <clears throat> so one thing I would add is just this. I think from 1 Corinthians 15 mm-hmm. and from Jude, mm-hmm. um, and, and John also says that all of us who have faith in Jesus, all of us who believe he has given the right to become mm-hmm. sons of God. Sure. Which is one of those places where you say, well, sons of God are people who believe in who believe in God and daughters of man are the ones who don't. Mm-hmm. Well, then why are the sons of God who believe in him taking wives? Right? Like you, you have to, to change some things in order to make that work. And then the rest of the story doesn't make as much sense. Well, so <clears throat> go ahead. The, I think when you say that they, well, Zach, uh, angels aren't given or taken in marriage. Oh, yeah, that verse is so often... Okay. You, okay, you want to hear the problem with that? Do the problem, and then I'll, te- <clears throat> I'll tell you the other thing I th- I'm okay. thinking about there. So, number one, what the Bible is saying is that in heaven, okay, the angels are not procreating and making more angels. Well, that's great. Right. Sure. But that has no bearing on what we're talking about. We're not talking about angels. We're talking about, number one, Fallen, fallen angels. angels. And then number two, what we're talking about is a certain group of fallen angels that, quote, the Bible says, left their first estate. Yes, and that's so Jude. they took something off, okay, so that they had the ability to do something else. Yes. On top of that, Jude explains that these angels that left their first estate, that, by the way, the Bible says many times, have a special horrific punishment in a special place yes in the underworld not just hell but the pit with chains of darkness reserved onto them for this judgment and what does it do it tells us the angels that jude is talking about were the angels in the days of noah yeah yeah it refers back to these specific ones they say these these specific ones. So we're not talking about angels. We're talking about number one, fallen angels, fallen and then angels. number two, these fallen angels, quote, left their first estate. Now, you know, God yeah. did not give me a YouTube video explaining <laughs> how this well, yeah. worked. What is it that they gave Okay, away? but what we do know <laughs> is that number one, um, that it wasn't just normal people because their descendants were super large, super strong. Everyone wanted to be him. God said they were a horrific, unholy union that was a nightmare that all needed to be killed. So we, the idea that the sons of God in Genesis 6 are just people, it's absurd. I mean, it doesn't fit anywhere in any of the verses that talk about it. 
And then as you, as you play, when you make that decision mm -hmm. and then you allow that to help you play out the rest of what the scriptures are talking about, mm -hmm. boy, it, I mean, you want to talk about opening your eyes to some things. So just as a side note, this is one rabbit trail I want to follow. Then sure. we got to get back yeah, on yeah. track. Go ahead. First Corinthians 15, mm -hmm. talking about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Starting in verse 50, mm -hmm. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. Mm-hmm. And this mortal body must put on immortality. So in the same way that the angels left something and became something else, we put it on. You got it. And then because it's resurrection, yep. because we're believers, mm -hmm. putting that on. And again, there's no YouTube. Yeah, for that. I've never seen it happen. Okay, but... But, but what the Bible seems to indicate is that whatever it is that they were able to leave behind... We are, and it's not like, I don't think it's a one for one. Like, sure. okay, I got these many angels. And so I got this many robes. To, yeah. <laughs> but whatever that was, he gives us access to at the resurrection. Yes. So that we have the capacity mm -hmm. to be in his presence. Correct. We can't live in his realm and be in the presence of God with this fleshly body, so this fleshly you, sinful body. Right. So then you start going, well, yeah, so they saw that women were good looking mm -hmm. and they decided to, like, no, 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 no. They consciously said, yeah, this God most high, Lord of Lord, kings mm -hmm. of, King of kings, that's over everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever. I think he's doing a bad job and I could do it better. Um, but really, those those women that he made, that's that's something I want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I will leave immortality behind. I will leave whatever it is that this is behind, mm -hmm. uh, so that I could go down there and um, and pick a wife. So so then they get go ahead. And, and this is another one. Mm -hmm. um, because this this will get us back to the to the Canaan conquest. Mm -hmm. um, that decision, we we have the fall in Genesis three, and we know about that and mm -hmm. the tree and eating the fruit, and they weren't supposed to do it, and they did it, and they chose to do it, and now we have sin and death and curse. Genesis six though puts another level onto that, where there are supernatural beings who have also fallen. Mm -hmm. And done things to corrupt and destroy what God's original plan was for his people. And so part of God's restoration of everything needs to be to deal with this. These guys can't continue to be around. Um, it's not it's not right. Mm -hmm. And so he's got to do something about it. And you have the flood, and then you have the well. How did they come back again? And what's well, and and, all this? and let me let me just. I mean, since we're in the weeds, let's just. We're talk all about the way it. out okay. there, man. So let's read Revelation chapter twelve, starting in verse seven, and then we'll go back and read a few verses a little earlier in this chapter. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought 
and his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven because once you form an army and war with god and lose guess what yeah Yeah, yeah. you're getting kicked out (coughs) excuse me verse nine and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and satan which deceiveth the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him okay so we see and then going back um let's see um in starting in verse three of chapter 12 And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, which is defined later in this chapter we just read being Satan, having seven heads and and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So we read about this red dragon who, you know, was in charge of one third of the angels in heaven. Bible talks about that there was that war and the devil was lost or the devil lost and he was cast to earth. And one third of the angels were now fallen angels. They were cast out of heaven. So the devil has had this problem ever since, you know, the very beginning. And that was that his army is losing two to one to the rest of the angels that work for God. So the devil needs to up his numbers. So that's what he was trying to do uh, back in Genesis chapter 6. Now remember, not all the fallen angels did this back in Genesis chapter 6. Only some of them. How many? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. What we find is that they made a conscious decision to take something off, like you were describing. They, again, left their first estate, to use the Bible phrase, and then God ends up wiping out the whole world in Genesis chapter 6 with the the flood in in chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9. Then we find out what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. We find out that there are these certain tribes that are made up of these same giants. So God explains this through the Pentateuch, uh, through Genesis, through Deuteronomy. We read about it again in Joshua, that there is a cert- there are certain tribes that are the tribes of the giants. And these tribes are specific in many ways. Number one, they are giants. Number two, they have six fingers on their hands, and that's a special um, uh, attribute that we find with these, with these giants. And Goliath was part of that group. Sure. And we find that King Og, who lived up in Bashan, he was part of that group of the giants. So we find out that there are these different tribes that are the tribes of the giants. So Satan tries again. And let me just give everyone the story here. What happens is back in Genesis chapter 15, God tells Abraham, look, here's what's going to happen. You're descendants are going to come here to Canaan land and they're going to come here in just a little over 400 years. So they're going to be slow. So you have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob, you have those three generations. Then you have all of Jacob's kids go down to Egypt. They're going to be slaves for 400 years. They were in Egypt for 430 years. The first 30 years were okay. Then a new king came. He made them slaves. They're slaves for 
um, 400 years, and then they get into the desert. They get the Ten Commandments. They cross the Red Sea, not in that order. And then they come up to the border of Canaan land in the book of Numbers. I think, I want to say Numbers 12, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure which one. No, I know why I'm thinking 12, because God, Moses decides to send 12 spies. 12 spies. And he says, you're going to go spy out the land and bring up, you're going to do some reconnaissance. You're going to bring back a report, and then... We're going to go into the land. Everyone's like, yeah, we're going to do it. So then 12 people go. Two of the spies' names are Joshua and Caleb. They're the only two we care about. Everyone comes back, and 10 of them say, yeah, we're not going in there. Yeah. Why not? Big old boys. Giants are in the land, okay? And without getting into the history of it, but you can look up the videos. I have them on my YouTube channel. There's uh, two videos on my YouTube channel. Just search for them. It is UFOs in the Bible. Okay, go through those videos, and I, I go over every single verse that has to do with this subject. We talk about all of it. You find out that um, during the days of the uh, Carthaginians, uh, they have records of excavating human remains that were over forty feet tall. Okay, forty feet. Oh yeah. So when we're talking giants, we're, we don't. We're not talking about like NBA yeah. player giants. Yeah. Yeah. When they came back and they said we are as grasshoppers in their sight, they weren't kidding. These were massive giants, and they were not willing to go into the promised land. So understand that when God told Abraham, this is the covenant, and this is how it's going to work, in 400 years, you are going to go into Canaan land. That gave the devil 400 years to populate Canaan land with what? With giants. And that's what Satan did. Satan said, okay, we know the land they're going to come to. We know where the promised land is. We're going to have some more of our fallen angels leave their first estate, take off whatever that is, have the ability to procreate with human women again, and we're going to produce more of these Nephilim, these giants, these men of renown, and we're going to fill Canaan land with these giants to try to stop God and his plan from coming in here. And guess what? Every single time you run into giants, these fallen angel hybrids that they produce, these Nephilim, every single time you run into them in the Bible. And the Bible goes over the tribes. Yes. It yes. names the tribes and says, yes. these are the tribes of the giants. Every single time Israel faces off one of these tribes, guess what God says? Get rid of everybody. All of them. Man, woman, child, their animals, everything. All of it has to die. And and if people don't understand the angel theory that we read about and is so clearly lined out in Scripture in Genesis chapter 6, a lot of people struggle with this idea, and people don't understand that there is a spiritual element of evil involved that you've never seen, and unfortunately most people have never even heard of. Well, it, it's next level stuff. It is. But when you go back to the basic story, mm -hmm. remember when Satan deceives Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. the curse is the seed of the woman yep. is going to crush your head. Yes. So if he takes that seriously, mm -hmm. then he's going to try to do something about it. Yes. Because now the fight's on. Yeah, the devil knows his days are numbered. And so he's got to do something. Yep. So I, I think part of the whole part of the whole um part of the whole idea here, part of the warfare is 
Is it to breed out that possibility? Absolutely. If you can corrupt the line of David, the Savior can't come from that. So every time there's, every time he gets another indication of how how sharply the focus is yes. toward this is the guy that's going to do That's going to be the Messiah. So, okay. Oh, I got Abraham's guys. Yes. Oh, they're going to be where in 400 years? Correct. Oh, got it. Ready. So, so when you start out with Noah, you find out that the devil doesn't know where the focus is. He doesn't know it's the tribe of Judah. He doesn't know the promise land. He doesn't know the people. So who does he try to corrupt? Everybody, the whole world. You got it. Then when he finds out it's from Abraham, he's like, okay, his descendants, just his descendants in general, all of his descendants, they're going to be where? Okay, (laughs) great. So that's where we're going to focus our attack. Then when it gets revealed that it's going to be the tribe of Judah through the family of David, guess what, where Satan's attacks are on that one family. And you find out how Satan continually focuses attack more narrow and narrow as soon as more and more of God's plan is revealed. Yeah. And so then you you do the David and Goliath story. Yep. And here's this giant, and oh, David's a brave young man, and he yep. stands up. Sure, true, mm-hmm. but with that backstory laid out, mm-hmm. it gives you a whole different flavor. Yeah. A whole other dimension to the story. It's not just who can talk about God this way. Mm -hmm. It's, wait a minute. Yeah. He's not supposed to be here. Yeah. And he doesn't, this isn't supposed to happen. Yeah. And what you find out later is that Goliath and his family all had six fingers on their hands because when they find one of Goliath's brothers, okay, it says that they are of the giants, and he has six fingers on his hand. This is something that we read throughout the Bible, and a lot of people miss it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like weird, right? Yeah, He's got what? six fingers. That's odd. Yep. It's like the guy in, um, what's it, Princess Bride? Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a distinguishing feature of some sort. But yeah, so um, so then in the, in the Canaan conquest story, mm-hmm. there's definitely a component of that where there are specific tribes, and again, long, long lists of all this stuff. But there are tribes where you, where God said, they just need to be gone. Yes, they just need to be driven out. Yep, completely exterminated. Different land somewhere else. There are others though where He says, "Yeah, look." Oh, he, sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, you're right. There are the, certain the, ones where it's like they're not allowed to be here. Right. Mm-hmm. They need to because this is the promised land. It's going to be yours. But there are others where He says, "Nope, no, these guys." gone all yeah. of them. so here's here's an interesting one yeah in uh in joshua 11 it says in joshua came at, at that time and cut off the anakim mm-hmm. and so this is this is these are people of the giants the are anakims giants. are yeah, giants you've got a you've got a descendant here that they're named after so you get a different word from the hill country from hebron and debir and anab and from all the hill country of judah interesting mm-hmm uh, and from the hill country of Israel, Joshua devoted them to destruction with their cities, and there was none of the Anakim left in the land of the people of Israel. Only in Gaza, mm-hmm. in Gath, and in Ashdod did some remain. Mm-hmm. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments, and the land had rest from war. Mm-hmm. When Joshua says, 
we've completed the task. Yeah, they actually it, didn't. They actually didn't, for <laughs> one. But his measurement was the giants mm-hmm. are gone. Mm-hmm. His measurement was not, we've destroyed everybody in the whole place, yep. especially the kids, and head on a pike. Yeah. And his measurement was the Anakim are gone. Yep. And now, and of course, um, Goliath, Goliath is from Gath because yeah. some of them escaped to the land of the Philistines. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, becomes a huge problem all the rest of the way. But when you, when you read the entire story arc, it's like, of course, the Philistines became their primary rival in mm-hmm. the promised land because there were still giants there for a time. Yep. So uh, Zach mentioned the Anakim. You also have the Rephaim, the Zamzumims. The um, there there's several yeah, there's of these a few groups. Other names, and yeah. honestly, I didn't even look all of this up. I didn't know we were going to be you know getting out here. But really, uh, no, it is important because uh, far too many people have this misunderstanding about God. What do you think he was arbitrarily picking certain groups to exterminate, and other groups yeah. just had to be you know. Um, kicked out. So, <clears throat> yeah, the origin of these tribes, the Rephaim, the Horim, the Emim, the Zamzamin, uh, they all had to be absol- absolutely, um, completely exterminated, you know, because they were uh, contaminating, you know, the bloodline of humans. And God said, this is not okay. And again, like, okay, Zach, so explain to me <laughs> how that all works. Like, give me a science lesson on, yeah. look, what do you, <laughs> I can't tell you. Yeah. But, but what we know, what the, what the story states is that there's a spiritual warfare that crossed over into our reality, Yeah. right? Our dimension, our realm, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the fight was still on. Mm-hmm. And that people were subject to what these fallen angels were doing. And that was a line, that was a threshold. Yes. That God said, "Uh uh-uh, no more. And when you read through in Deuteronomy, the groups of the people that lived in the land, you found out that God actually was driving them out slowly uh, ahead of time. He wasn't killing them all. There were lots of groups that God, as we said, just needed expelled from the land. Mm-hmm. And and we know this because not only does God explain that these groups need to be expelled from the land, and keep in mind, Joshua did go to war with them. They did kill a lot of them because a lot of people didn't want to leave. And sure, I understand sure. that. But God even goes so far as to make provisions for those that remained, not yes. remained in the land, but left and were going to be neighbors of Israel. He says, okay, you got to fight these guys and you got to kill these guys and you got to kick them out of the land. And then he goes on and he says, now, for those that are going to remain around, yeah. you're not allowed to marry them. Yeah, okay? here, here are the rules. Yeah, here are the rules. You're not allowed, you can't do business in these ways. You can't marry, send your, you can't have your sons marry their daughters. You can't give your daughters in marriage to their sons. There, there are going to be some problems. And there again, there's one that's like, well, God's racist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, no, think about the, <laughs> think about the whole story. Yeah. The story is that the seed of the woman is going to crush mm-hmm. the serpent. Mm-hmm. So there is a there's a. I, I, maybe you could call it a bloodline situation. Yeah. Like Judah is going to produce this king, mm-hmm. and 
that can't be that plan can't be destroyed with all of these other ideas. Well, Zach, what about Ruth and Boaz? Yeah, and that's in the that's in the family line. That oh, leads yeah. directly to David. Yep. And so, well, God is making. So, what does Ruth do? Mm-hmm. She disregards her former gods. Yep. She comes leaves to, Moab behind. Leaves Moab yep. behind. She comes to Israel. Mm-hmm. She proves her faith. Yep. She has she has changed her. She worships a new god. Oh yeah, she it completely she, says that she rejects the gods of the Moabites and takes on the gods of the nation of Israel. So, gods, not gods. Right, plural. Right. You understand. But, so then you have another one of these examples where, mm-hmm. like, with the rules set out the way they are, if you repent, yes, and you have faith, mm-hmm. and you come to Him, yeah, then come on aboard, come aboard, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and the Bible talks about the reason you don't make marriages with them is Deuteronomy 7, starting in verse 4, for they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. So, and so the, what happened? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and this is this is one of the points that people don't understand. There, just like you explained, there's always a provision for the pagans to come aboard. And I say, thank God, because I'm a Gentile. Sure. It's not like I'm, you, you know, both, yeah. Man. So I say, thank God that, you know, the door is open and I can come along and worship God and receive the blessings. And what God says is that if you marry these pagans who have not turned and worship me and come aboard, then what's going to happen is they are going to turn your heart away and then I am going to be forced to judge you both. Yes. So Which is exactly what started yeah. to happen. And, and God says, I don't want to judge you both. I want you to be my chosen people and to follow me and I, I just want to bless you. But if you are going to leave off following after me and you're going to marry these pagans and they're going to turn your heart from me and you're going to start following these pagan gods, then guess what? then that means that you are going to bring my judgment upon you, and that is not what I want. Right. I am telling you not to touch the hot stove because it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, you're so, going to burn your hand yeah. off. And unfortunately, you know, we, we've all read the Bible. Sure. You know, um, the nation of Israel, then, you know, doesn't really follow along with that, and it ends up being a mess, but, but that's the purpose for it. Zach, we have been going for an hour and 30, if you can imagine that time. Pretty good, just huh? Yeah, really just flown by. Do you have... Um, any closing thoughts before we shut this thing down? Trying to make sure. I, I know we we talked through a lot of things. I think we hit all of the all of the major ones that I can think of. Nobody's asking us any questions or yelling at us yet, right? No, not yet. That comes later. Um, okay, okay, good. So I won't see those. Um, no, I, I think that's probably that's probably a good start good place to to finish up so the points we made are that genocide in the bible is okay because god is sovereign genocide in the bible is okay because it was a form of god's judgment and genocide in the bible is okay because god was protecting that which was good and that which he loved those are the general ideas we gave you a lot of bible verses we gave you plenty to chew on and uh it's okay you know if you disagree with us Uh, the only thing that's not okay is if you disagree with the word of god so be sure if you're a christian you are okay with what god says even when we don't like it even when it's uncomfortable even when it's hard to follow uh, that is when our faith is tested so obedience is only obedience when it is tested so when you come across those hard parts in the bible that's when it's important for us 
to believe it even though it's difficult and we go to God and ask for him for help in those places where we fall short and fail. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us. It's been a wonderful time. We'll be back on here next Sunday. I have no idea who the guest is going to be, but I'm sure it will be entertaining and we'll talk about something controversial. So everybody have a good night and we will talk to you next week.